Welcome to this episode of the podcast, Guess What You're Gonna Hate. I'm Janine. I'm Liz. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast about exposing someone to the very worst and sometimes best, but mostly worst, pop culture of the 2000s. Merry Christmas, everybody. A lot of people celebrate Christmas every single year with a movie from the 2000s that I think is very divisive among audiences. You either love it or you hate it or you've made a point to never watch it. And that movie is Love Actually from 2003. Here to join me to discuss this movie, Liz and Josh from Bloody Date Night. Hey guys, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Doing all right. When I approached you to to talk about a movie for the holidays, because I thought it would be fun, because last year we did Black Christmas, which is a horror film yeah. from the 2000s. And I finally watched the original, by the way, and it's really good. So Great, I love it. It's a shame because the transfer I watched of it on YouTube was like <laughs> a VHS copy. It, it really felt like it, even though it was an official rental from youtube the quality was so bad you can tell it was just like a rip from a vhs which is a shame mm, that's pretty but awesome. mm. <laughs> yeah that movie is definitely worth a watch so don't watch the 2006 version but definitely watch the 70s version anyway so i was thinking it could be fun to do another christmas horror movie but unfortunately that's a a very uh niche subject anyway and to narrow it down even further to the 2000s meant we were kind of out so, Liz, you suggested doing Love Actually, which I thought would be great because that is, like I said, like a huge, impactful movie for a lot of people who watch it every year for some reason. And I would say some people might consider it a horror movie. There are tons of psychos in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there really, really are. Psychos. Did you choose it for a specific reason? We were talking about, you know, or thinking Christmas movies, 2000s, like that's the first one I thought of. I think that's, I'd say that and Elf are probably like the two big ones that yeah. I would think of. Yeah. And I don't even remember how it came up, but we were talking about it and Josh had never seen it. And I thought, oh, oh God. God. I was like, this is good. This is going to be good. Because uh, our podcast is Josh showing me a lot of movies that I find torturous to sit through. Um, so, you know what, if I get the opportunity to turn the tables a little, I'm into it a little bit. Also, whenever this movie comes up and somebody's like, have you seen it? And I say, no, I I, I don't, I don't, I haven't invested my time in seeing this movie. <laughs> and then somebody just, there's two reactions. One is like, you haven't seen Love Actually? What is wrong with you? <laughs> How were you alive? What do you survive on? And the other is, Huh. It's probably best that you haven't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't hold up well, is what I've told. Uh, is what is what people have told me. Is like it. It hasn't. It hasn't really held up well. Yeah, I. I definitely hadn't watched it since high school. Um, and some some parts of it I still think are funny, and some parts of it are just oof. Well, didn't age well. But there are yeah. also when we were watching this, I was sitting here with Liz watching it, and there are moments where I'd just be like. What the fuck's happening? <laughs> why? Why is why? What joke is this? And it's so long. It's like two hours long. It's two forty-two. I think is two what... four. Are you kidding me? It, I, think... No, I think it's like two fifteen. But I mean, it's it's over two hours. Oh, like no, I, no. I'm saying two days and forty-two hours. <laughs> Isn't forty-two hours just like another two days? days? Oh, just about. <laughs> 
you know, I think this is a guess what you're going to hate first, where uh, I have seen the movie, but a guest has not, because I've actually seen Love, actually. I did not watch it when it came out, and I it was one of those movies I kind of like, oh, wow, I've never seen this, and everybody tells me I've got to, so I guess I will. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, I remember just being... I and so when I I just remember being so disappointed and angry at this movie <laughs> and not understanding why people like it so much. And when I was watching it again today, I I was like, well, I'm gonna give it a chance, you know? Like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna see. Maybe it maybe I need to open my heart to love actually, you know, let love in. <laughs> and I gotta say, you know, it was just it's just as bad as I remembered it. Like all of it was terrible. And oh, you're not getting it. You have to go to the airport and <laughs> creepily watch people <laughs> at Heathrow Airport kissing. And also, let me also say this: the opening of this movie is so stupid because I don't associate airports with love. Exactly. Every every single time I go to the airport, especially in New York, there are couples that are breaking up. <laughs> And are just about to kill each other yeah. on the plane. Or you're going to murder someone who's in line in front of you with too many bags. Yeah. You can't get through. No, it's not a, it's a romantic place to be. No. Yeah, really. the airport is gross. You feel gross. Nobody smells good. Everybody smells like they've <laughs> just been doing a marathon. I don't know what it is about airports. Maybe people get like nervous sweating because of the security. But everybody stinks in an airport. You're cramped. You're tired. You just want to go home. Even when you do get to see somebody at the airport, like, I mean, I'll admit, when I came home um, around Thanksgiving time and I got to see my husband for the first time since September, like, when I saw him, I did run to him, but we had the quickest of hugs, and then it was like, he didn't say this, but I was like, I'm so sorry, but I smell. Please, let's let's just go home so I can shower. Uh, I mean, like, they try to really romanticize airports. Yeah. Which is just... One of the the first thing out of the gate, I was like, "Huh, that's not true." <laughs> that's, that's that's not true. Did you did you love how like immediately like I think maybe five minutes, probably like two minutes into the film, they bring up nine eleven. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> like when when they were showing these uh, these tearful reunions of people, I was like, "Can you even do that anymore at this time?" Because it's really funny. I, I thought that this movie um, came out before 9-11 because of, at the very end, when the little boy just, like, <laughs> jumps the airport and jumps over the security. Because I, I, I remember that scene, and I thought, well, that could never happen post-9-11. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how also they started La La Land? Yeah. <laughs> It's like Ryan Reynolds and Emma Stone dancing and tap dancing in front of the screen. It's just like, and then 9-11. <laughs> Isn't there that one movie where uh, at the end it's revealed that he's on like the Twin Towers observation? Uh, Dear John. Yeah. Dear, Dear John. <laughs> and Wait, what? Okay. So it's actually a funny story about Dear John. Uh, when the trailers were on TV all the time, one of my very good friends um, <laughs> was and still is. Um, a body double on on film and TV, and we were at my house with a couple of our friends, and she never sitting. We were all sitting on watching TV, and a commercial for that comes on, and she goes, "Oh yeah, I worked on that one." We're like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And she goes, "Yeah, it's so sad that he dies at 9/11." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I'm pretty sure you gave up the twist of the movie to the, to the room." And she's like, "Oh, well, 
No one said it was the twist. We just thought everyone knew. Yeah. So, like, I haven't seen the film. I just know that basically, like, the movie is not about 9-11 at all. It's like a, uh-huh. a love story. But at the end, he's, like, looking out the window and you see a plane coming over the horizon, Whoa. like, straight towards him. And then that's the end of the movie. Are like, you kidding me? No, that's that's no, it. That's so so I don't know why uh, script writers love to just like force nine eleven into romance movies. I guess they hope it'll sell. Yeah, I just think it gives everything a sense of urgency. Yeah, some gravitas. <laughs> maybe. Oh, it, that's a lot of urgency. <laughs> that is too much urgency, if you ask me. So it's kind of like the new Titanic. Yeah, you know, I mean, not to not to like trivialize it or anything like that, but yeah, it, it is very like one of those it's a travesty where you're just like oh it's a shorthand yeah 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 because in this one it's so. literally i'm looking at the script now it's the third sentence of the opening narration and it basically he's saying you know when the planes hit the twin towers no one was calling each other to say how much they hated each other just to say that they loved each other i'm like are you really forcing in like a terrorist <laughs> attack into your opening narration like are you because it doesn't make any sense in the context of the whole movie, unless you wanted to get, I don't know, is, are they warning us about love yeah. actually? Well, if you if you ever feel hate towards somebody in an airport, <laughs> it's almost like 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so for people who haven't seen Love Actually, which I'm not going to say you should watch it because it's not good, but... I think in some ways understanding what other people are talking about is always kind of like a relief just to know. And you can harbor that secret hatred in your heart or get into a very spirited, drunk Christmas holiday party, like (laughs) just tear down of this film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But essentially it's a series of interconnecting vignettes about these different love stories. And none of these love stories are like actually love though they're all just like creepy wish Mm -hmm. fulfillment yeah uh cheating like men are gifted a woman (laughs) yes 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 that's that's what the movie is yeah and the quieter a woman is the better she will be and the happier (laughs) the relationship will be and also any woman above a size six is an obese whale (laughs) We talked about fat, fat Natalie. Just yeah. big as a truck, Natalie. Her name, oh. they call her Plumpy at one point. And, like, she's literally, plumpy. like, maybe a buck fifty. Tree like. <laughs> yeah. Tree trunk thighs, I think, is what they say to her. I mean, she yeah. talked about how her, her ex-boyfriend called her fat. Like, everyone talked about how fat this woman is, and she's not. That's, yeah, you look at her and you're like, what? <laughs> not even really by TV standards. I'm trying to think of that, but, like, not really again this movie the humor of this movie is so off the wall batshit crazy (laughs) because there there are instances like this where they keep on calling a character fat and not even her there are other people in the movie that they just call fat yeah they call one girl miss dunkin donut 2003 2003 or something and then just be happy for me but also the other thing that i kept on couldn't wrap my mind around was the 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 nativity scene with the squids and the lobsters <laughs> and like the little girl runs in emma thompson she's like oh i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the main squid and emma thompson's like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> The lobsters of nativity, you know. <laughs> yeah. The, the best 
part about that movie, though, I think the only part that actually made me laugh is when uh, Hugh Grant, who's playing the prime minister, yeah. falls in love with this gigantic chunko of a woman <laughs> and big old named Natalie. Like, just I don't know how she even fits in the backseat of the car. Yeah. She, but somehow she and the prime minister and this uh, young boy end up in the car together because. When he shows up at her house to declare his love, the whole family is about to go to this Christmas place. Well, yeah, so. because because uh, his office isn't one that uh, maybe has the addresses of their employees. Right? Like, I was like, you're the prime minister. Can't you look at her personnel file? Like, you should be allowed to do that. But anyway, so he shows up. They're going to go to the Christmas play. And so they're all riding in the car together. And so it's Hugh Grant on the left, this kid in an octopus costume in the middle, and then Natalie on the right. Yeah. And... <laughs> they're having this like confession of love over the octopus like and then the kid's just like staring blankly until he goes we're here and like jumps out of the car and it's like i wish i could be doing that right now like i wish i could just jump ship from this movie this kid is living all of our wildest dreams right now yes <laughs> when he just able to leave the film yeah just get but, out of there yeah but like but yeah there are like so many things in this movie where it's just like they're mentioned they're casually mentioned they kind of reference it again and there's really no resolution at all to some mm-hmm. of these things like yeah. like the small jokes you get you get an epilogue where we're just like oh this yeah. happened this happened this happened don't worry everyone's fine yeah. yeah like even the people where you're like like um alan rickman uh but whatever his i also don't know any of the characters names no because the thing is like this movie is overpowered by all the celebrities they crammed into it yes which i'm sure the majority of their budget was just buying these people's salary because you've got what hugh grant alan rickman colin firth um emma thompson emma thompson kiera knightley january jones yeah like yeah Billy Bob Thornton's in Billy this? Bob Thornton, yeah. Like, oh, so that was the other thing, too. So people just start showing up in this movie. And, and every for time bit it happens. For bit parts, too. For bit yeah. parts. And there were moments where I was just like, why the fuck is this person here? <laughs> Laura Linney's just hanging out in a church? Yeah, jo- jo- Andrew jo- Lincoln? Yeah. I was like, that person's in this movie? That person's? What's Grimes doing here? I think the one that I was most surprised by was January Jones, though. Oh, yeah. I was like, is January Jones really playing an airheaded Wisconsinite? I don't think she was much <laughs> at this point in well, 2003. No, the thing that really got me, though, was at the very end when Shannon Elizabeth shows up. Oh, yeah. With Denise Richards. That's right. They were two relatively pretty big names in yeah. the 2000s, so I imagine, like, that was kind of a weird thing, too. They're just like, yeah, you're just going to show up the last five minutes, and you're just going to make so, that. Yeah, make Denise that Richards has one line, I believe. Oh, man. See, well, the thing is, the less a woman talks in this film, the more attractive she is on screen. Absolutely. That's, this movie mm-hmm. is, like, touted as, like, a woman's movie, but it's very much written by a dude for it's women. by a guy. Yeah. Yeah. None of these love stories are appealing. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Liz, you were talking about Alan Rickman's character. I don't remember his name of his character, but he's married to Emma Thompson. Harry. Harry and, and Karen are their names. Yeah. And that's a train wreck of a plot line. Yeah, like with him. Yeah, so, like, he cheats on her with uh, his, like, yeah. young, new, hot assistant. With, with vagina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He has so, no characteristic besides, yeah, like, besides like when she spreads her legs open at her desk. And he's like licking her lips and her fingers. She's like just like a vagina with like a severe haircut. 
<laughs> do you the the necklace that he buys for oh, her God. is so ugly it looks like a butt it's like a butt with a little like ruby in it and it costs 270 pounds which is what like 400 dollars dollars yeah did he did he hook up with her okay so it's not really explicitly stated in the movie but i looked it up right. later and um the director's wife emma freud tweeted about this film when the director had never seen it after the premiere so he hadn't seen it for like 15 years and they went and watched it together and she was live tweeting like his explanations or reactions to stuff and when someone asked hey so what happened to alan rickman and emma thompson and she says well they stayed together even though it was a little less uh, happier than it had been before it's like oh, that is the worst nobody wanted that outcome nobody wanted them That's to stay so. together like yeah, they're basically staying together for the kids, and you're like, why? So but, but they they did say, I think I think I saw that they said that he ha that they had slept together. Sorry, Harry and uh, the secretary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. She also uh, confirmed that. I forgot that's what we were talking about. But yeah, she she confirmed that they went yeah. the whole way, even though he she apparently begged the director to reconsider. He was like, no, it's got to go the whole way. No, it's uh, love, baby. It's love. But then it's just like, I don't know. Love, love is not standing by your man when he's terrible to I mean, you. No. The lessons, the lessons in this movie are so fucking cloudy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, though I will say, like, I'm not going to defend him because he's like a creepy dude who cheats on his wife. But the present he buys her, you can argue, is a little bit more thoughtful because I'm she mentioned earlier that she loved Joni Mitchell mm -hmm. and Joni Mitchell like taught her how to feel. And then he buys her a Joni Mitchell CD. Is it appropriate to buy a Joni Mitchell CD, which is probably like a maximum of $20 when you spent like $500 on your mistress? Absolutely not. But the thought was there. It's much better than just having a card and like a yeah. gift card. I don't well, know. <laughs> and you know, I, I will say, I will give them that of how how terrible this movie is and this is all to emma thompson's credit when she's up in the room by herself like pulling herself together after oh, she gets yeah. the cd that is the uh acting high point of that the was movie. really good yes yeah. that's the best I, part of the be whole because, film it might be because she has no lines and <laughs> is not in the scene with anybody it's literally just emma thompson but that is one of the only parts I was like, oh, yeah. It says a so lot for a movie that the best scene, that is a movie filled with great actors, the best scene is the scene where one actor is alone. Silent. Silent. <laughs> crying. Because I'm, I'm guessing that they're just thinking about being in that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why am I still here? The weird thing about that moment, though, is, like, she takes the two minutes to, like, compose herself, and then she never brings it up until, like, the very end of the movie when she finally says... So what would you do? Would you stay knowing life will always be a little bit worse? And like, yeah, that's what happens. Spoiler alert. But you know, <laughs> the other thing too is that like, this is how fractured that relationship is. We haven't been married that long, but we've been together for a long time. If I do something stupid, Liz is going to be like, can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go over here and talk really quick. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, what happened? <laughs> she's like, um, you're an idiot. <laughs> and I'm, you know, she, in, in in this movie, she's just kind of like, I'm just going to go up to my room. I'm going to pound my face into the wall. And I'm just going to go downstairs and we're going to have a great time. You know? Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, Alan Rickman it's, is. It's uh, truly horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I thought I was. I felt kind of bad because I didn't think Alan Rickman was very good in this movie. He just seems like bewildered by everything that's going on, and not in like a funny way, but more in like a. Does he even know what his character is doing here? It's so. It's so deadpan. It's so deadpan. Yeah. It's like at a certain point you expect deadpan from Alan Rickman, yeah. but he is, he is he is reacting. I think the the way the viewers are to a lot of the movie. <laughs> Where he's just kind of like, what? What? Oh, um, <laughs> I got to go back to my office. <laughs> and also, he, he's so inconsistent because at the beginning of the movie, he pulls in his employees, Laura, Laura Lenny. Yeah. And he's just like, so how's your sex life? <laughs> or, you know, he's talking about like, you know, you like Carl and you should go after Carl and touch his nuts in the break room or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Every work environment in this film is just hostile as hell. <laughs> what do these people do for work? <laughs> what do they do? At one point, you can see someone juggling in the office. I've also read something uh, that said that the the advertising agency, apparently they work in an advertising agency, that there was a story for every poster that's on the wall. Oh, man. So they meant that every picture had like a story attached to because they cut stories out of the movie yeah i heard that like three or four including weirdly um one black couple oh of course um and a lesbian couple and i was like well yep there went all your diversity yeah instead you have the whitest and most uncomfortably racist uh love story uh, which is, I think, okay, like, I don't know if I'm being paranoid here, but there's definitely some elements of racism in the whole Andrew Lincoln, Kiera Knightley storyline, right? Like That one, I think that one might be my least favorite of all of the stories. I'm not saying something. It's pretty bad. But, like, it's the, it, it has that trope that I hate. It has so many tropes that I hate. It has the, um... You know, the woman doesn't see the good guy who's right in front of her. Never mind that her husband is... Yeah, so, so lay it down. Him. Like, what what is the plot there between so, those three characters? So this couple, uh, Karen Knightley and Chue, uh, right? Yeah, Chue, yeah. Yeah, um, are, are getting married. And he has this best friend, and <clears throat> Juliet is her name. Of course. Juliet uh, thinks that the best friend, the best man, uh, Mark... Um, doesn't like her, but he surprises them at the wedding with a band and like people with saxophones <laughs> hidden in the church because that's a thing you could do. Okay, <clears throat> so when you when you have a wedding, if a bunch of dudes show up <laughs> with a bunch of saxophones and trumpets and you're like, oh, I don't know who you are. Sure, come on yeah, in. Come on in. I would, that would pique my suspicions immediately. Yeah. So, so they play, so he does that. He kind of like, yes, makes the wedding about himself. Nice job, best man. And then she, uh, Juliet comes back and she says uh, she didn't like the wedding video that the best man did. Uh, what's, what's his name? Mark. She didn't like Mark's uh, version of the wedding video. So she's like, I just want to look at all the raw footage. And he's like, I don't think you should do that. And then he does. And it's literally just close-ups of her at the wedding. Just like all these dramatic shots oh of her face. Yes. It's like, it's so funny because he he goes like, oh, I couldn't find the copy that I made. And she goes, oh, but isn't it this right here? It says my name, like Juliet's wedding. And he goes, ooh. And she and I, just, I was just thinking like, oh no, you don't want to see that. It's all painful. Panty shots. 
but it's basically just creep shots, like close-ups. And Kira Knightley yeah. gets like a little bit more and weirded out as the be. scene goes on. She goes like, "Oh, you were you were staying pretty close, huh?" And then and then she realizes what's going on at the end, and she goes, "Oh, yeah. they're all of me, aren't they?" It's like, why aren't you running? Why have you not left this house? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the trope of the woman who doesn't recognize the good man right in front of her, even though I'm sure Peter seems lovely. We get like three lines from the guy, but he seems lovely. Yeah. Um, the trope of if you just pursue her hard enough, she'll give in. And then the the grand creepy romantic gesture, which is the one that Ugh. everyone knows from this movie, which is he rings their doorbell. Uh, Mark rings their doorbell on Christmas Eve, and it's Carol Singers, which I always I know it's Carol Singers, but I always think of it as Carol Singers, like a person. Yeah, yeah. it's Carol Singers. And he's like, oh, okay, great. And then he has those signs, and it's just like. I just have to tell you that I love you. Which is like, To me, why? you are perfect. To me, you are perfect. Why? Why ruin their, their new marriage? And that's that's what I mainly know from... That's how I know the movie. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's just like, oh my god, this is the best part. Right, because when we were talking about it, I was like, this is the scene you're going to remember. This is the scene you're going to recognize. Yeah, it's been parodied like dozens and dozens Over, of times. Yes, like, and then... What blew my mind. So that's, I remember that scene, obviously. That, and that's where I always thought that it ended. I forgot that when we see them later, um, Peter and Juliet are still together and they're still hanging out with Mark, which I would have thought. Yeah. Is- she never tells her husband, I guess. She's like, but she kisses him. When when he declares his love to her, he walks off and then she runs after him and like French kisses him. And it's like, so what was his plan? Is he just like, is, is she just expected to just every once in a while, like, throw a kiss or a boob rope her, his way? Like, what what is he getting out of this? Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine. I, in our marriage, if one of your friends, like, cornered <laughs> me or something at our house and was like, by the way, here's all these feelings I've been feeling about you. First off, immediately I would come talk to you about it. Oh, good. I would have to come tell you. And then, I don't think we would keep <laughs> hanging out with them. The worst part about that, though, is, like, it's not just, like... So imagine that it's not just Josh's friend. It's Josh's friend who explicitly, like, hates you and, like, oh, never wants to hang out with you. And then just one day you find out, oh, shit, he's been in love with me this whole time. That's the worst part of it for me. Yeah. Like, what? No. How can you even be in love with somebody who you ignore and hate? Oh, my God. It makes no sense. No. It makes no sense. So, so what's y'all's least favorite? Uh, couples. <laughs> well, I don't know about couples, but I think the worst plot line is the English dude who goes to America oh. to fuck in- like American women. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, Colin. It paints America in such a great. This whole movie really paints American Americans in such a great, great light. Like <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton represents us politically, and we have the, the first people that he meets in. I think it's Wisconsin. Does he go to Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah. The third, like, he goes to the bar, and every single time, like, something happens, I'm like, the shoe's gonna drop. Like, something's, they're gonna rob him or some shit. But no, it's three women who take him back to their place, and they just immediately fuck him. And I'm like, it's so what? bad. What the hell? What, where, where in Wisconsin is this at? Yeah, it feels like a parody of itself, because it's like... They all are doing the same, like, breathy porn dialogue. Like, oh, but we're poor and we only have one bed and we can't afford pajamas. And you're like, are you serious? This is happening? Like, is this a porn right now? Like, I'm with you. Yeah. 
Well, I'm gonna call you my stepdad later on. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, and like inexplicably, when they come back to England at the end of the film, and they bring Harriet, who's the quote-unquote hot one because it's supposed to be funny because they're all hot and then there's also a hot one but she's got a texan accent even though they're from wisconsin it gives them all really terrible accents we're like a cowboy yeah Yeah. i didn't oh man i forgot about that god damn okay now now this movie just even pisses me off even more This movie's understanding of geography is quite something. Like, yeah. the well, fact that he goes to find the Portuguese women, woman in France. Yes. And it's... Oh, okay, so that... So I thought I thought that she... He went to Portugal. No. No? It's in France? It's a French airport, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Which is just like... Yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense. Because... And he tries to speak French to her right at the beginning, and she doesn't speak it. That's right. Which also seems very confusing if you live in France. <laughs> Unless she was just lying to him the entire Maybe. time. Maybe. Yeah. She understands mm. him secretly. Also, the, the bulk of their dialogue, and this is a completely different story, obviously. Jamie, is that is that his name, Jamie? Yeah, and Aurelia. Uncle Jamie and Aurelia. Like, they speak in, like, the what's the what's the line? The worst part of my day is when I drive you home or something like that. And then she's like, the... The yeah. best part of my day is when you drop me off or some mm-hmm. silly shit like that. No, it's like she, he says the best part of my day is getting to drive you home. And she goes, the worst part of mine is leaving you. It might have just Something been. Like <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, this this story made me so upset. Like what? What? OK, so he's a writer. His wife cheats on him with his brother. Oh, right. And so he goes to this French countryside mansion, like we all do, <laughs> and um, to, to to sit on the dock near the lake with his typewriter and leave his pages just sitting on the desk <laughs> blown into the fucking lake. What author does that? What? And, and the other thing was that I thought that the, 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 the end of the movie was going to be him he was basically writing the whole movie and it was and it would just be him like being like all right and that's that's the story it's, it's called, i you know like, what do you call it he's like and i call it the aristocrats or i don't know what the fuck. <laughs> and, and then just and then like they're just like oh and then love at the airport and 9-11 he's like yeah yeah that too so yeah i thought that that was going to be that could have been an easy thing that they could have done and they didn't even do that and i was like oh that's weird i mean but that would have been a hell of a twist because when she asks in broken english and like well, mostly portuguese and like hand gestures what genre it is yeah and he goes like oh it's a and he makes a stabbing motion he goes right. it's a it's a crime a, mur- a mystery Mur- a murder <laughs> yeah murder, murder, crime. Crime. murder crime horror or something yeah. yeah so that would have been a twist i would have very much welcomed to have love actually just devolve into a, a, a slasher yes like, you realize that there's been one guy in every scene, like, in the back, hiding in the bushes, and he, like, dons a mask. Who, who is the murderer in this situation? Andrew, if we had to pick a murderer. Andrew Lincoln. Yes. Yeah. Gotta be. That's pretty good. Yeah. Or if Off you, of the sidelines, taking weird close-up videos of all the women. Or, yeah, that's or, probably, you're probably right. whatever killed Liam Neeson's wife in this movie. Oh, yeah. This is a good opportunity. We're talking about maybe saying who's the, uh, um... Uh, the killer in this cast. What if we listed all of the men in this movie from 
least creepy to creepiest? Oh. Well, least creepy, I'm going to say, is Peter. Um, he also has, like, the least amount of screen time. Yeah. Um, uh, because he, he seems like a nice enough guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll say Sam, right? Because he's, oh, he's young. a little boy. Yeah. He can learn. He can, he, learn can learn. Be, he can learn to be a decent human being. Yeah. Uh, not doing him any favors. No. I just say, like, at the beginning of this movie, I kind of went on an emotional journey about Hugh Grant, and, like, I thought he was just, like, scum of the earth at first, because he's, like, crushing on an employee underneath him, and, like, is talking about how inconvenient it is that she's hot, like, and I'm like, oh, you piece of shit, but then when Billy Bob Thornton, like, creeps on her, and then he, like, you know... Oh, that's bad. No, don't do that. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, like when when he uh, basically politically attacks America to get back at him for that. I was like, okay, Hugh Grant. Like, I still don't like you. You're still on my watch list. Oh, but... yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's, it, he's just, it's very acceptable, acceptable for him to. What did he say? Uh, relocate her. He said relocate. Oh yeah, yeah. that was can bad. You, can you just relocate Natalie? You know the fat one, and then Billy Bob. Comes by and he's like, "Hey, nice fat thighs." And he's like, "Oh, that's not nice." Not when it comes to an American. So yeah, it's it's like the 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 what's the beliefs of Hugh Grant in this movie are so fucking. I know he's trying to be like very nice and like kind of like a Trudeau type, but yeah, he's not Trudeau <laughs> at all. So uh. yeah, uh, I think. Um... But that's the thing with with Hugh Grant is I feel like his character is like out of all the men in this movie who are just really slim pickings. He's got to be one of the least creepy of the main people. And I think that probably owes something to just Hugh Grant. Yeah. He's just a very charming guy. He's kind of an unassuming, like all shucks. Yeah. Handsome. Like, how, did, how did I become prime minister? It's like, yeah, he's just, he's like, what? Like, I just want to dance in, the, in the, this official government building. <laughs> yeah. And then also, I have a soft spot for Billy Max, uh, who's the singer, his manager. Yes. Yeah. And Billy Max, too. Is what we all need more in our lives. Yes. Yes. He At least he's open about how weird he is. Yeah. He's not hiding anything. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's fun, and it's kind of fun that their love, the, the love story, is really between Billy and Joe, his manager, who's kind of like the only person who looks after him a little bit. You know, it, it actually mm-hmm. is nice that there was a love story that wasn't a romantic love story. Yeah, exactly. Uh, th- so I say that, and then uh, then we're getting we're getting down to the creepies now. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Rickman is definitely creepy, but one of the l- least creepy. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. One step above him is um the architect who that one girl's crushing on, who then turns out doesn't want to pursue her when she has like a complicated emotional it's, backstory. Maybe she has a disabled brother, and he's not getting involved um, in that. Uh, yeah, uh, Carl, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, he's all ready to get involved with her, and then when she answers a call from her brother, and then answers it again, he goes, like, does that even help him? She goes, like, well, probably not. He's like, you should just ignore it next time. And then she doesn't, and then I guess they're never going to pursue anything, because he's a really shallow creep. Yeah, so. she doesn't, doesn't get love, which I thought was kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's yeah. not really the sibling love. 
it's really it's just like look yeah. she just couldn't open herself up to love it's like no she's probably okay with that but there was a guy who couldn't be understanding yeah who didn't want any complications which i guess yeah. i get but then also like what a sleaze bag to like make her look like a bad person for mm-hmm. not dropping everything to get with him it's it stigmatizes people who have siblings with special needs because then it's like oh you can't mm-hmm. you can't you can't have one but you can't have both you know and it's it's kind of one of those things it's like oh isn't this so sad yeah, that she has to definitely. sacrifice like a personal intimate relationship with somebody when uh she's mm. looking after somebody else it's like oh well that's not necessarily true you know? yeah yeah it's like you can't have any depth or else perfect love romance won't happen for you women need to be available it's... at all times to be yeah. love receptacles yeah i will say oh i forgot to put um liam neeson i think is one of the uh He's not, he's like up there on the not creepy yeah. side because at least he's just like there to support his stepson, you know? Like he's just there to like, he's got some wrong ideas about like how an 11 year old should pursue another girl, but he tries. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> more than a lot of people can you say. You know, we've totally forgotten to mention, and I think because their story is so flimsy and innocuous, is um, John and Judy, Martin Freeman, the body double. Oh, yeah. John and yeah. Judy. That is that is the one story that holds up, I think, because it's yeah. There's not much to it. I and, and you do have that amazing introductory scene of Martin Freeman just dry humping on screen. Yeah. How do I get that job? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're supposed to be body doubles for a film that is not a porno, but has like six different sex scenes. So I don't know. Like, Porno is just really high class, and we just don't know. Super expensive <laughs> British porno. Because we're filming in like a mansion, and like a really like I think a, a museum. Yeah, it looks like it looks a museum. Like a, oh, can we talk about speaking of museums? Andrew Lincoln is like an art museum curator, and he like gets mad at these school kids for laughing at the art that he's got up, which is like little Santa hats on nipples. <laughs> Listen. It's not good art. No. no. If I saw that shit, I would start laughing my ass off too. And I'm a grown-ass man. You know what? And no wonder that's the only place that's left to have a Christmas party four weeks before Christmas. Yeah. But then as we're getting creepier and creepier, we definitely have... um, And I'm really, like, conflicted about... Obviously, Alan Rickman's up there, but I don't know who's creepier. Andrew Lincoln or the guy who goes to America to just find girls to, to bang. Because on the one hand, uh, of course, Andrew Lincoln's character is, like, stalking a girl and, like, kind of, like, treating her like his property, even though, like, not giving her any of her own agency. But the guy who goes to America, he, like, complains that all British girls are stuck up and won't pursue him. Yeah. And that America is just a, a land full of babes who will fall at his feet. Like, that's some egotism right there. Yeah. I don't know. I think... I think I forgive that story a little bit more because he doesn't want anything. He just wants to go and like bang a bunch of women. And all these women want is to bang a British guy. That's literally it. <laughs> like no one seems to, everyone seems to be on an equal playing field. Well, like yeah, I, I, I guess there. because it's, yeah, the, the uh, Mark and, and Juliet thing is like way more long. It's just like a longer drawn out thing. It's this weird entitlement yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I think it creeps me out the most. I think Marcus is the creepiest. Well, when we first meet Colin, he's literally throwing 
I guess, muffins at women and spitting up food. <laughs> that is true. He does. He's just like, uh, <laughs> calling them his future wife. Yeah, he's calling every... He's just... You want my nuts? The, the worst thing about his lack of self-awareness is that he also is not punished for it. Mm-hmm. It's not like he goes to America and gets a reality check. He goes to America and it is the porno of his dreams. And yeah. he wins He wins the prize and takes it home with him. Yeah, he's like imported these these objects into onto English soil. So is that your vote, Josh? Do you think that he's the creepiest? The, the artwork that An- um, um, Andrew Lincoln has in his um, art studio kind of really does make sense seeing now what he films on his fucking... <laughs> you know, it, it just makes sense. <laughs> well, I will vote for Colin. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, then we've discovered it. So the only thing is, he's definitely the creepiest, but he's not the murderer. The murderer is definitely Andrew Lincoln. Yes, yes. So, like, the structure of this movie is, I think, what makes it so appealing to so many people year after year, because it's not really something I think has been done since then. And I don't really think it's very effective either, because it... So the movie is basically, like I said, a series of different love stories all intertwined together. And that's why it's so damn long, too, because you've got to give these all a satisfying conclusion. Mm-hmm. However, thinking about it now, what it really is, is this is like a bunch of stuff pulled off the cutting room floor. Like, well, we were going to do a movie like this, but I couldn't figure out like how to make it last two hours. It's like, OK, why don't we take all of those and throw them together and make that last two hours? We can do that, right? <laughs> why not just use some of these like shitty other stories and use like maybe a lesbian story or a, a, st- a story involving like people of color i mean w- we're just watching a bunch of mm-hmm. what is it white people yeah like uh i, I think i now uh, thanks to this movie i think i have white face blindness yeah yeah so you can't really be like oh that's you know, <laughs> who's his names no they do blend together i don't know if i believe that this writer could have handled things like a lesbian love story with you know, some tact or nuance. Oh, God, definitely not. So that's the, that's the thing, too. It was like, I, I like this idea about Andrew Lincoln being a murderer. And I know that typically what we do when we discuss um, these films is we make a crime based off of it. But let's throw that away. Let's not talk about crime. I mean, I guess it is a crime because we're talking about murder. But <laughs> what kind of murder would Andrew Lincoln do? Like, we've already established he'd stalk, definitely. But, like, what's his what's his mundus operandi? Like, what's his, his weapon? I think you two are the best equipped for this question. Here, I'm gonna, I'm, okay, I'm gonna pitch, I'm gonna pitch the trailer. <laughs> Alright? Murder, actually. Murder, actually. Starring Andrew, um, Andrew Lincoln. What's his fucking name? Wait, 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 wait. Can it be Axe? Actually, oh, like an axe. Say axe. <laughs> actually, oh yeah. Okay. All right. So now, okay. Now we're cooking. All right. So okay, we got it. All right. So uh, um, wait. Where am I? I gotta figure out this guy's name. Here we go. All right. Axe actually starring Andrew Lincoln after a vicious playground school attack when he was nine years old off a of falling off of a seesaw. Mark obsessed with videotaping. Carries around a tripod with a video camera on it his entire life. Why? So he can put a spike at the end of the tripod and poke his victims while he stabs them. He's also a wedding videographer. <laughs> That's it. Oh, oh God. It's, it's it's the plot of this old movie called Peeping Tom. I think it's like it's really good. He stabs people while he videotapes them on the. <laughs> You're. Very similar to what I was going to say. I think yours is better. 
but I was going to say that he films gruesome crimes and then he plays them in the gallery as art and people oh, their art because he never gets pursued. Ooh, and then they're just like, what is, oh, oh, this is a nice oh. exhibit. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's art. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, why are you laughing so hard? <laughs> oh, because I killed for this footage. <laughs> it's, uh, it's... It's snuff, actually. That's the film. <laughs> Why are we not writing this down? Wait, wait. Okay, I'm gonna go contact Andrew Lincoln's manager and see what I can get him booked for. Yeah, well, he's well, he's he just got, he just finished up on Walking Dead, so he's probably looking for work. He's probably free. <laughs> I, I sincerely doubt that, but yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I I think we've really we've really cracked this open where Andrew Lincoln's character is the. Um, is the murder of this whole movie. Yeah. I was, and, and like, as disgusting as it sounds, like, I think it'd just be funny if like, Kira Knightley's watching that entire video that she's, she's like, Oh, that's me at the wedding. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so sweet. <sighs> A lot of, it's still me. Um, <laughs> is that, is that walking home from work? <laughs> and then he's got his ax, like, you yeah. know, in his, pla- <laughs> like, just like American psycho, like his ax in the plastic raincoat right behind her. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's just putting it on, dancing to Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> yeah, smash cut, Christmas party, and then we find out that uh, Secretary Vagina is in on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's getting the male victims. He's got the yeah. female corner covered. She's, she's like doing the seducing. Yeah. She gets into a room and then uh, Mark axes him. Yeah, Man, Brit, fun. Yeah. England sounds fun. I think England is actually the best place to be. What's really weird about this film was I was looking at the information about it. It's definitely an English film, but it premiered in the US a week before it premiered in the UK. Which is like, why? Like, I don't think anyone thinks of this as like a US film. So, yeah. I mean, the US tried to do their own. Remember there was like, what, Valentine's Day? Or New Year's Day. There was like a while where people were trying to recreate the love actually. Yeah, which you can't do because it's not actually good. The people only like this because it was new. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's. I think it's just like if you end up putting a bunch of talented people in one movie, it's going to probably be good. Yeah. You know? Which I understand, but... But I, I think you're right. Like It's definitely like a star factor appeal to this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think this movie would have been so loved if you had just any random John or Jane off the street. Yeah. Like, it's got to be the big name people. It's like, oh, that guy, what was he in? <laughs> yeah, and how easy for them, because they have to show up for, what, maybe two days of filming? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Billy so, I think, was there for, like, two hours. <laughs> And then he's just like, like you know, shouting out these suggestive things to women. And they're just like, "That's great, Billy. That was, that was a great take." And he's like, "Oh my god, you guys were filming all that?" And they were like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh well, just use it for the movie. Just make me a sleaze bag. That'll work. Just make, yeah. just make me Bill Clinton." <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I think that's what they were going for, right? Yeah, I think so. They're trying to make him somewhat like Bill Clinton in this. Movie. I mean, who knows? But he's also got a, a southern accent, doesn't he? Yeah. So I guess he's like Bush. Uh yeah, no, Bill. It's a mess. It's a really flimsy political, yeah. like, because that's not even how politics work. You can't just, like, attack somebody on national television, <laughs> like, in an interview casually and then get, like, because nothing bad happens because of it. Everyone's, like, happy to talk to him afterwards. He's painted as a hero in yeah. the papers. All the- it's, it's a mess. Yeah, this movie uh, take on politics is just people sitting at tables. Yeah. Big tables. Yeah. A lot of paper. 
Yep. You know what? I'm wondering how Andrew Lincoln would try and kill the PM. Mm. Well, I don't know. Would he the, go that far? With the Pointer Sisters, I feel like we're in, maybe it's because you mentioned American Psycho. That's what I'm picturing. I think I think that's how you get him. You lure him out using the Pointer mm-hmm. Sisters yes. jump. <laughs> He, he stands outside the prime minister's window and he plays that song and he just like waits till Hugh Jackman just like, or Hugh Jackman, Hugh Grant just like dances outside of the door. And then like as it happens, he like just gets him. That would be cool. Yeah. Lure him out with some pointer sisters. <laughs> so you two are our, our resident horror experts. Can you explain a little bit more about your podcast, Bloody Date Night, and the appeal of horror for the two of you? Sure. So, yeah, our podcast is called Bloody Date Night. We are in year four. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a lot of back episodes if you're interested. Uh, Josh and I have been together now for eight years. Uh, we just got married this year. But we started this podcast and we were dating because Josh is a huge horror nerd, um, like from birth. I saw one horror movie when I was a child, panicked, never watched any again. <laughs> and so, um, but horror is such a big part of Josh's life that, you know, we started talking about movie tropes. So each episode, Josh shows me a horror, a classic horror movie from you know, sort of the franchise canon or something that's like really iconic. And we watch it. Uh, in silence and then we <laughs> record uh, our feelings on it and so yeah it's one that josh has usually seen many times and one i have never seen yeah. it's a lot of fun i really like it you guys are really funny so, and it's fun because i very much like you liz i i don't like horror movies either like i like i'm one of those people who will not watch them but i'll read the plot obsessively on like wikipedia mm-hmm. so it's also nice yeah. to hear you guys talk about it because then i don't i still don't have to watch it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say if i'm sure if you're a horror movie fan because we hear it from a lot of them it's really fun because I don't know anything about them, but because I don't, my context is um, musicals, musical theater, um, Law and Order, SVU, yeah. and reality television, and so that's how I frame every horror movie. <laughs> and so, it, if you like any of those things, you might get a kick out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not an act. I really don't understand horror movies and i haven't seen most of well, them if we're not so. understanding horror movies i think your pitch for uh love actually or whatever we called it is pretty good so you've got a good actually. grasp you've got a good grasp with the tropes uh, yeah. I, I, yeah i'm getting i'm getting to where i understand the tropes and so now it's just seeing how they play out or are subverted in um in the series or in you know the horror franchises yeah. so where can we find your podcast uh, you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts as Bloody Date Night. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram as Bloody Date Night. Oh, and Facebook as Bloody Date Night. You can just find us everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that way. If you Google it, you'll find it somewhere. Yeah. 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 And I'll include links, too, in the show description. As always, you can find us on Facebook at Guess We Are Gonna Hate, on Twitter and Instagram at Hate Podcast, and on our website, hatepodcast.com. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, maybe in- watch a movie that you enjoy for a little present to yourselves. I don't know. Maybe that movie is love actually for you. And I'm sorry if we angered you in some way, but you have to admit it's a little shaky, but... <laughs> What's your favorite Christmas movie? Um, I, I actually really love Elf. That's such 
fun Christmas yeah. movie. Um, Christmas Vacation. Yes, that was my other one. Yeah, we, we always watch it. Yeah. I'm actually about to go watch Die Hard, so I'm going to have to put that oh. as my answer. Yeah, we were watching that the other day, we too. The other day, such a good, good Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Yep, well, Merry Christmas, watch something you like, and enjoy, as always, a little wrapped-up gift of trash under your tree in the form of this podcast. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>